0: Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast brought to you by AMS Media. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm delighted to say that we're going to be talking about a victory this morning. I can't wait. Um, Arsenal back to winning ways finally. And joining me uh, to discuss the proceedings at St Mary's yesterday is none other than James Cook. James, welcome back to the show, mate. It's been a while. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Harry. Certainly a lot better off than that victory last night. Um, I'm good. How's yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain. I was getting a little bit uh, fed up, a little bit wound up. You know, we came back from this break. We were all buzzing to see football back and then uh, we got off to the worst possible start. But uh, I'm glad to say that we're back to winning ways. And of course, Arsenal took all three points from St. Mary's yesterday. uh, Goals from Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock, the two youngsters, um, repaying, I guess, the faith that Mikel Arteta has shown in them. Um, since he's taken over he's given them a lot of game time and and they repaid him finally which was lovely to see. Um just going to start off by taking you guys through a, a few points from the game and then I'm going to get bring James in uh, to have a look at those let's start off with the the starting 11 and we Mikel Arteta went with Emmy Martinez in goal not that he had much choice um the back four or well, it looked like a back four initially on paper, but it was Bellerin Mustafi holding Tierney. And Saka actually ended up playing sort of as a left wing back. Um, so it was a little bit of a variation in Arsenal's shape yesterday. Ceballos was in the middle of the park alongside Granit Xhaka, who returned to the team. Uh, and then it was Oba, uh, Pepe and enketia uh, providing the attacking threat for the Gunners. Now, James, what did you make of the formation? Because we all thought on paper, I think, that, Bakayo Saka was going to play as a number 10. That wasn't the case. He ended up playing sort of like a left wing back. Tierney tucking in alongside holding and Mustafi. Were you surprised to see that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really didn't expect it from Arteta because we've not really seen a free in a back um from him as of yet. And I mean, the, the way Saka's played in these past couple of games, he's not played the same position more than once. Started on the right wing against Man City, finished that game at left back, um, played on the kind of like in a midfield free in the game against Brighton and to yesterday starting at left wing back I mean such a great player to have in terms of durability in terms of adaptability such a such a useful player um but no back free surprised me it was I think he started to notice the frailties in our defense um and I think he maybe did that with a bit more uh cover in mind and I thought Tierney uh, as good as he was at left centre-back, uh, I do feel like that position limits him a little bit. Um, I'd much rather see him on that left uh, left flank just bombing up and down the pitch. I think he's more of an attacking threat in that sense. But then again, when you've got someone like Bukayo Saka, um, he does a lot of that work as well. And it's a very tasty left-hand side of the pitch. You've got Tierney, Saka, Bamiyang. Um, and it was a lot of where our good play came yesterday. So it was exciting. It was great that we kind of dropped into a 4-2-4 almost when we were going forward and in possession. Um, so, yeah, I think Arteta, tactics-wise, I think he got his spot on yesterday.
0: Yeah, he did. And and I think you're right to, to point out the defensive frailties. probably forced his hand in, in going sort of the way he did. Um, I want to bring up a few screenshots to share with you guys. For those of you watching us on YouTube, if you're listening via the audio, of course, I'll explain those as well. Um, just to touch on a few points from yesterday's game. Now, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang playing sort of from the left-hand side. And yesterday, what the formation allowed him to do was when Arsenal did get forward and Bukayo Saka would bomb up that left-hand side, it would allow him to drift inside. And actually, I've been doing some research on this for some other work that I've been doing, and it's actually proven that when Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does start from that left-hand side, he has a better goals-to-game ratio. And that's probably because he can drift inside often unmarked by the centre-backs. He's arriving later, makes it more difficult to track him. And if you just ch- take a look at this first screenshot that I've brought up, it's the first opportunity that Arsenal had where, of course, uh, the goalkeeper got a slight hand to it and it come off the crossbar. But you see where Aubameyang has come from there. It's a long ball over the top from Kieran Tierney and Aubameyang has come from that left-hand side. And it's that angled run in behind the Southampton defence that makes him so, so difficult uh, to pick up. So, you know, as much as we'd like to see him through the middle at times, I don't think it's a complete misfit to have Pierre Emerick Aubameyang coming from those left-hand sides. Very similar to the way Thierry Henry used to do it. I think Aubameyang has found a bit of a, a niche there in the way that he can get into those positions and cause problems for Southampton. So. Yes, there's an argument that he should play through the middle more often, but Mikel Arteta clearly sees a benefit in him coming from that left-hand side. Now, James, I want to get your take on the opening goal, um, which, of course, came from this situation here that you guys can see on your screens. Eddie Nketiah closing down the goalkeeper. But at this point, as you can see on your screen, there's, what, a good 20 yards between Eddie Nketiah and, and the goalkeeper? goalkeeper looks as though he's going to receive the ball really, really comfortably. This is a why I was so pleased to see this goal was because this was opportunistic. This was created purely by Eddie Nketiah's enthusiasm to close the goalkeeper down and nothing more than that. It's just sheer hard work. It's determination. And it's somebody who wants to make his mark. How impressed were you by the way he stuck to the task there and ended up getting on the end of that?
1: Yeah, really impressed, mate. And I think he's showing exactly why he's getting in the team ahead of Alex Lacazette at the minute. Uh, As much as I love Lacazette, um, I mean, the fact of the matter is Eddie Nketi's last away goal was against Burnley before he went out on loan. And Lacazette, I don't think he's even scored in that period since Eddie's been away from the team. So I think he's showing that his youth, his productivity, his work great is playing such an essential part in leading this Arsenal line in these games away from home where we've got to work a bit harder. He's created an opportunity not just for himself, but for the team as well. We really needed that goal because it was just after that Abamiang miss. Um, and I think we were all kind of seething that Yang hadn't taken that opportunity. So Eddie's worked hard. He's, he's created that opportunity. And um, as I say, I think he, he's proven exactly why he's starting in these games away from home. And He's a lot quicker than I thought he was as well to close that ball down. He's got an awful lot of pace about him. Very strong as well. And I mean, a lot of people, I think they're under the impression that um, he's a player that, you know, might not make it at Arsenal, but I mean, if you compare him to the strikers we've had in the past that we've been so hopeful of, Chubarak from, um <laughs> I mean, he, he 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 outshines them massively. Uh, he scores goals. I mean, what, what more can you say about him? He, he hasn't scored any worldies yet, but he's been in the right place at the right time. Links up really well with the players around him. Um, Sorry, my hay fever is dreadful today. I've uh, just... the same, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think he's just a player that works so well in his Arsenal team, both at home and away from home. And fact of the matter is, when he's scoring goals, I mean, there's no reason not to really uh, drop him.
0: Absolutely. And and what I really liked about it, Mikel Arteta has made the point, hasn't he, that he wants to see more from his forwards in terms of them closing people down and working harder. And what I like about this one, uh, this particular goal, is we talk about the opportunism. We talk about Eddie and Ketia uh, going to close down the goalkeeper. But this is a really smart press, isn't it? Because... The goalkeeper should pick out a player here. He should find his own player. I don't know why he's tried to go. um, I think it was for Hoiberg, who's in that midfield, just out of your screenshot there. Uh, But what you see here is Nketiah closes down that channel. It's not just a headless chicken press, as I would call it, where you're just coming for broke eyes on the ball and just running at full steam. He's, He's purposely closed off an angle. To one of the players, making the goalkeeper have just one option. Unfortunately for Eddie Nketiah on this occasion, the goalkeeper picked the wrong option, and then there he is um, to to nick the ball and get in behind and go and finish that. So really opportunistic. But for me, it was great to see a player show that enthusiasm to try and make an impact. And as Mikel Arteta said after after the game, if you f- if you press uh, the opponents, if you can be alert and be on top of things, you will uh, get change. Uh, from some of their mistakes. And it's really, really important that we cash in on those. Um, before I move on, actually, I'm going to bring in just this next screenshot while we were on the point of Aubameyang. Um, and again, we saw an opportunity early in the second half where a ball came over the top from Emi Martinez. Fantastic pass, by the way, almost Edison-like. And again, we saw Aubameyang drift in from that left-hand side. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to put the cross, the ball across the penalty area for his forward partner. But again we saw the benefit of him starting from that really wide area and drifting inside and that is something that Pep Guardiola insists on from his forwards and it's something that obviously Mikel Arteta has carried forward and and something that I think Arsenal can really really benefit from moving forward. Um, James I wanted to get your thoughts on the number 10 position because the number 10 position has been really, really contentious for Arsenal. Should Mesut Ozil play? Should he not? Etc. Etc. We heard he was left out for tactical reasons. Nobody was really buying it. But looking at the way Arsenal set up yesterday, there was no number 10. The, the role had been made redundant, if you like. So yesterday, you can look at it and you can actually say, yeah, he was left out for tactical reasons. Do you expect that to be the case going forward? Do you think Mikel Arteta will look at certain games and say, we can't get away with playing that type of player? Or, or anybody in that role, whether it's Mesut Ozil or somebody else, and, and, and essentially he will scrap that role.
1: I don't know, man. It's it, it's a really, really tricky one because, I mean, it's exciting that um, that we're back and Arteta is, is changing the team, but we've completely shifted the way we were playing compared to how we were before um, the, the suspension of the Premier League, we were playing a regular 4-2-3-1. Ozil was in the team every single game. Reece Nelson was starting a lot of games as well. And yeah. now we seem to have moved much more to a 4-3-3 without a number 10. Ozil, who was so in favour under Arteta, and they were both quite vocal about that. And now they're, you know, they, they don't seem to be working together at all. And I can't quite wrap my head around why that is. And I didn't want to get drawn into another Ozil saga because, to be honest, Ozil, let's be real as much as we love him is more trouble than he's worth now it's ridiculous this is what the third, fourth Urzil saga it's mental it's absolutely mental I'm I'm just sick of it if he went in the summer I would not be I would not be overly disappointed I think he's done a great job at Arsenal Football Club but it's just getting ridiculous with the amount of uh, issues he brings up in the team and it's got to be an attitude problem you'd think if you know um, Arteta's fallen out of him if Emery fell out of him I'd just love to know what's going on there but yeah relating back to your point uh, I think he's, you know, he's very much learning from what um, Liverpool are doing. I mean, a lot of people are alluding to what he's doing at Man City, but Liverpool play this way. They don't play with a number 10, really. They play with Jordan Henderson, with Naby Keita, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho. Um, they've not really got a number 10 in their side. And I think that's maybe what um, Arteta is looking to do. If you look at the front three we play, uh, Aubameyang, uh, Ketia, and Pepe, I think he's trying to allude what they're doing with Firmino, Salah, and Mane. um, especially with Mane drifting in from the left, I think he's trying to draw comparisons to a Aubameyang, so I think it's, it's much more Liverpool that he's trying to replicate rather than Man City, and uh, I don't think we've got the players to play that way just yet, I think we are very much more suited to a 4-2-3-1 but I mean, this team can adapt, there's no reason why not, and I'm excited to see how we're going to play when Lucas Torreira comes back into the side, because I think he could be quite instrumental in the way we line up going forward, but um, I think it's not a bad decision, to be honest, because I don't think um, traditional number 10s are essential in the way teams play anymore. I can't really think of many sides in the Premier League that have a traditional number 10. City don't really seem to play with number 10. Um, we need players that contribute from all over the pitch rather than someone that is um, a creator as such. We need someone that is a creator, but also a goal scorer. Someone like a Kai Havertz is the modern uh, number 10. Obviously, we're not going to get Havertz. He's way out of our league. But, I mean, we need to, to, to find that type of player. Could it be Joe Willock? Um, I'm not too sure, but I could certainly see Willock playing a lot better in a 4 with a free midfield as opposed to a number 10 role where I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to play in the future.
0: Yeah, I think with Willock, what I like about him is he, he he's very enthusiastic, very energetic, and he's almost like a box-to-box player, isn't he? He reminds me a bit of Aaron Ramsey in the way that he's very energetic and he does often arrive late in the box and into the right positions. He doesn't always finish as well as he should. Took his opportunity well yesterday, which we'll come on to, but... I like the fact that Willock is very versatile in the sense that he can get up and down the pitch. And and I think you're right. I don't think he's a number 10. I don't think he's quite a holding player either. He's almost that player in between. Um, which is, so it'll be interesting to see how Mikel Arteta, I guess, shoehorns all those players into the system. Um, just coming back to the Ozil thing, and I, I don't want to dwell on this for too long because like you said, it is. it feels like it's something we talk about every single week. But when it comes to the, the, the whole Messer Ozil thing, you know, Messer Ozil obviously became a dad right at the start of lockdown, and and it seems like that's why he's probably behind a little bit in terms of his fitness. So, uh, I I'm just conscious of always making an issue about what it when Ozil's not in the team, when in actual fact it could just be that he's just not ready physically. So, you know, I don't want to get uh, sort of too drawn into that. I don't necessarily think it's worth uh, it's worth the the deep debate. It's a debate that we seem to have every week, and, and quite frankly, it's it, like you said it is more trouble than it's worth. It's not really helpful to anybody at the moment to speculate every time he's left out of the team, uh, what might have gone on behind the scenes. Like we said, might just purely be uh, a, he wasn't up to to the fitness levels required, which is unacceptable on his part, but it happens. Uh, And then B, You know, Mikel Arteta decided yesterday that that was not the way he wanted to go. And so he didn't use him. Fair enough. Uh, Let's get your thoughts on another midfielder um, who came back into the side yesterday. Granit Xhaka, somebody who takes a hell of a lot of criticism from the Arsenal fan base. But my word, he is so important to this Arsenal team. Whether you think he's good enough for the longer term is another debate. But right now he is crucial and key to Mikel Arteta's side, isn't he?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, you know, relating to the long term, I think he is a long term player in this club. I think he's got a hell of a future at, um, at Arsenal, especially under Arteta, because he does seem to have brought the best out of him. And now, Jacker has seemed to have uh, cut out those stupid mistakes from his game. And I think we still know maybe he's capable of them. But under Arteta, I haven't really seen one from him. And I haven't seen any suggestion that he's going to make that type of mistake either. But looking back towards the end of last season, that mistake against Brighton, some of those misplaced passes as well. I mean, they're the one things that kind of cast a dark shadow over uh, the great performances of Granit Xhaka. But he's so instrumental to the way the team plays. That left foot, the way he pings a pass, spreads the play. He's so dynamic, and he's just so important to this Arsenal team. And that, you know, still only twenty seven years old. I'd still hope that he's got another four or five years at Arsenal. Um, and I just think we've got to find a better midfield partner from him uh, for him. I mean, we we we've had this problem for ages trying to find a proper midfield and. Whether that's party, whether someone like party would, would join Darkly. Am I saying that right? Is it party? Um, yeah, I'm not buying into the rumors that he's going to join Arsenal. I find it really, really hard to, to buy into these rumors that we're going to sign Champions League level players. I just don't think it's a realistic option at the minute. Um, but I do think we need to find someone alongside Jacker for the long term because we might have our midfield sorted there. I think it could be Torreira. But then I think if we are going to play those two, there's no goals there, which is the only worry, um, and we need to find someone just ahead of them to put the ball in the back of them. Maybe that could be Willock. Maybe that could be a midfield free in the next couple of years. Who knows? But it's it's exciting what we've got with Granite Jacker. And after what happened in the game against Crystal Palace earlier on in the season, I am uh, I'm over the moon for him to be honest, because I think he he does he, he does deserve to. I think as, as long as people are praising him, um, as well as people are praising, him, I think also people aren't really pointing the finger at him either and I think that does his confidence the world of good he kind of these games they don't pass him by but he almost goes unnoticed because he's doing his job so well and I think that works really well for him and I do hope that he um he does commit his future to the club because I think he is going to be so important in the next couple of years but saying that um I don't know if you've seen Hugh Wizzy's video on this but uh he mentioned is quite concerning that we are so dependent on a player that has got quite obvious limitations. Um, what do you make of that? I'm not too sure. I think he's more of a reliable player for us than, than us, depending on him maybe. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's certainly one that's going to divide opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I've always said that, do I think that Granit Xhaka is the, the, the ultimate midfielder? No, I don't. Do I think that he's got limitations? Of course I do. But it was always about comparing him to what we've got. And this is not FIFA ultimate team. You know, you can't sit there and go, oh, but he's not as good as this player. He's not. Those players don't play for our football club. Literally, you can only make a decision on, on selecting him or not based on the rest of the players in the camp. And, and he is better than most of those for me. He's clearly improved under Mikel Arteta. And that's not because he's become a completely different player overnight for me. That's because he's doing a job that, He's been asked to do, in the sense of he, he's been given a role. He's sticking to that role, and the rest of the team is set up in a in a more effective way to prevent him from being exposed. So that's why I believe he's improved under Mikel Arteta now. Um, but there's always going to be this agenda and this stigma attached to the player, and it was it infuriated me yesterday after the game because I was working on the Chelsea Man City game immediately after the Arsenal game finished. So I didn't really get a chance to. Go through Twitter in as much detail as I normally would until a lot later in the evening. And there were Arsenal fans saying, you know, how can people say that he's played well? Uh, He gave the ball away almost every time he got it. Um, Poor and sloppy in possession. I can remember one pass he tried to play across the field, which wasn't ideal. It almost got intercepted. But then I looked at the statistics and he'd actually completed 85% of his 55 passes in the game. So, you know, it's just it just proves that there are so many agendas out there and people talk about things. And I often wonder what game they've been watching because they come up with complete and utter nonsense and an 85% pass completion rate. uh, You know, there's still room for improvement on that, particularly when you're playing in the position that he does, but you know, it's by no means disastrous. And I just think that uh, it's going to take a long, long time for that stigma to disappear. And it might never disappear fully um, when it comes to Granite Shaka. Um, let's bring uh, you guys on to uh, the, the final goal um, which of course came from uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang chasing down a ball and, and Southampton making a mistake the defender played the ball uh, back and uh, Aubameyang you can see Aubameyang in this position here and what I loved about this again it was very similar to the Eddie Nketiah situation in the sense that he stays alert he stays switched on he's hunting down the ball and he capitalizes on a mistake gets in front of the player of course He's brought down red card, uh, free kick, the resulting free kicks taken by Lacazette. It's blocked. It comes back out to him. But then just looking at this screenshot here, you can see Joe Willock. He's, he's got his back to the Southampton goal, hasn't he? He's not um, in the right position, in the right shape. But such is the sharpness of thought from, from Joe Willock that by the time the ball's deflected, um, it's gone through, sorry, and the keeper's spilt it. Look, he's completely turned around. He's on his bike and he's ready to pounce. And in the end, Joe Willock puts the ball in the back of the net. So we're seeing Arsenal players taking that gamble, showing that enthusiasm, putting in the extra yards, putting in the work, putting in the effort and getting the reward for it. You know, you don't, you're not always going to score the the prettiest of goals, but you've got to be alert and take those opportunities when they come along. And we we spoke about uh, Joe Willock and we spoke about him maybe being able to be that player that sort of bridges the gap between the midfield and attack, which is great to see. Um, but another player I wanted to get your take on, uh, James, is Emmy uh, Martinez in the goal. What did you make of his performance? I did my player ratings um, after the game for the, the podcast patrons, and I gave Emmy Martinez a seven. I'd actually had him written down as a six and a half until he made that save from Shane Long, and then I bumped it up to a seven. But he'd done the simple things right, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, that first half, I don't think he, he touched the ball, did he? He didn't have a lot to do. But that second half, when um, we we sort of laid off Southampton and kind of let them play into our hands a little bit, he had a, a hell of a lot more work to do. And especially um, that save from Shane Long. And I think he, he made a good save from Danny Ings as well. Um, he did have a very good game. And when you take into consideration that he's not played hardly at all this season, um, he's coming to the team out of nowhere. He won't have been expecting it. And when called upon, he's done very well in this game. And the distribution for that Miyang chance, fantastic. I think he's a very underrated goalkeeper, to be honest. And when you compare him to the goalkeepers we've had in reserve in the past, he's a hell of a lot better. Um, I'm looking back to the likes of Emiliano Viviano. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's, a, he's a really good uh, option to have within the team. So I'm excited that we've got him. Um, and I think, to be honest, as much as I, I don't want to say, it, I think he does deserve to be starting at a club. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to keep him as Arsenal's number two, but I just think he's he's a bit too good to be a number two. And I think it's going to be hard for him to disperse Leno. I think it's going to be almost impossible for him to do that. But he, he's a player that's 27, um, you know, prime time for a goalkeeper, really. He's going to want to be playing week in, week out. I would not be surprised if, um, you know, a mid-table Premier League, well, maybe like ourselves, uh, a Premier League club or a newly promoted <laughs> club from the Championship might come in for him. But there's there's rumours that Leeds are in for him potentially. And I think he's got all the capabilities to to start those type of games. And I feel, I do feel a little bit sorry for him because he's never really had a consistent run wherever he's been. So it must be very frustrating for him. And so he obviously believes in his ability. And I, I'm thankful that he stayed loyal to Arsenal. He's been at the club eight years. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, just a good player to have. And am I'm, I'm excited by uh, what he can achieve in the next couple of months.
0: Indeed, and the Leeds rumour is interesting, isn't it? Because obviously they're looking to to gain promotion back to the Premier League. They've had issues with their goalkeeper. Uh, Casilla has been charged with racism, and there's a lot of talk that he could up and leave the UK. And you know, Martinez, Argentinian, Bielsa, Argentinian, there'll be that uh, bond and that respect there between the two. So it's a potential destination for him. But I think for now, um, he's got a real opportunity to prove his worth. And you know, we may see. him leave eventually but this is a good time to put himself in the shop window at least if he is looking um, to to play more regular football I think you're absolutely right I don't expect him to replace Bernd Leno uh, for any significant period of time when the German is fit so uh, be interesting to see how that works out Um, just, just finally James sort of the last sort of talking point I wanted to get your take on the way Mikel Arteta managed the game he's been criticized in the last couple of weeks about his substitutions I thought he was really unfortunate to lose Kieran Tierney because we had a, a really good system going, and I know that, say, Kalasinach came on and did a pretty decent job, to be fair, but it, it just feels like another curveball being thrown at him. He finally settles in something. We're getting a good performance, and then we lose another player. And I know the injury to T, and he doesn't look serious. Um, apparently, he was cramping. Understandable, he hasn't played a lot of football, but it just felt like, you know, don't let this dislodge what you've done, Arteta. Just keep going. And I thought he managed the game in terms of his substitutions, tactically, uh, brilliantly, and I think he deserves a lot of praise for that.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think tactically he's, he's, apart from that game against Brighton, I think in the first half against Man City, he actually got his spot on. It was outdone by um, uh, substitutions as well. I mean, that one to Mario and the one to Jacker. when you look back at the way he was trying to line up, those left-footed passes into the likes of Nketiah and Abamyang, could have been a different story in that game against Man City. I mean, we'd probably have lost, but maybe not by 3-0. Maybe we'd have got a goal. Um and then you look at the game against Brighton, I do think that's where he, he draws a bit of criticism because those substitutions towards the end felt very much like, to me, you know, uh, terrible comparison, but I don't know if you remember when we played Blackburn uh, in the FA Cup and they beat us at home with a terrible goal. We brought a Wilshere, Walcott, and I think it um, might have been Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, we just kind of threw everything at the wall. That's kind of what it felt like against Brighton. No tactical now, just throw everything and see what sticks. That's what I got in the from, from my impression was of that Um but yesterday, I thought he managed it well. I would have liked to have seen us be a bit more offensive, uh, a bit more ruthless in the second half. I've got that goal, but we did lay off. We let Southampton play into our hands. I think that's more of a sensible thing to do at 2-0 rather than 1-0, as uh, we saw in the game against Brighton. But um, no, we, we saw it out well. I thought bringing on Maitland Niles in midfield was was really good. He looked very busy for the 10 minutes he was on, by the way. I thought he was he was very good in midfield. Um, made himself very useful. And yeah, Kolasinac played well. And I think they were they were good substitutions, and uh, I'm just glad Arteta's got the win. And he must be personally buzzing that we've kept a clean sheet. Um, Defence has performed well. The standing goalkeepers played very well. and two academy products have got on the score sheet, when you look at it in those terms, it's a really good win. How many Premier League clubs can say that they've got two Premier League graduates on the um, on the score sheet? It's great to see.
0: Absolutely, and talking about the defense because obviously you mentioned the clean sheet there and that's huge uh, given the way we've defended in recent times but you know i don't necessarily believe that rob holding would unless would have been in Mikel arteta's plans as such to start games um, but obviously given the circumstances the injury to pablo Maurice so kratis being out and then of course um the david lewis thing where he was suspended Do you think that Rob Holding's given Mikel Arteta something to think about now? He seems to be such a calming presence in that defence. He seems to bring the best out of Mustafi as well. And if you remember back to the best run that we had under Unai Emery, I believe that those two were the pairing for most of that period of time. So is there a, a, a sense now that Rob Holding has staked a claim to continue in the team? And Mikel Arteta's got something to think about now. 110%
1: 110% Rob Holding since he's come back. I mean, I thought he was unfortunate in the game against Brighton. We should have kept a clean sheet in that game and just fell apart towards the end. Um, but he, no, he did really, really well yesterday, as did Mustafi alongside him, but Holding in particular when you take into account that not only has he had that terrible injury, but also he's not played a lot in the team as well. Seems to be out of favour. Uh, I just thought he was excellent. And I think there are a lot of people that are assuming we should sell him in the summer. He's a player that might drive some value, but He's 24 years old, he's got an awful lot of um, legs left in him, and having just come back from that injury, I still think he's got so much to give this this football club. We were talking so much about him back in, you know, 2015, 16, uh 2016, 17, should I say. And he did it like such a promising player. You know, we're talking about potential Steve Bold replacement. Um, I'm not sure he's at those levels just yet, but he is a player that is at least a very good rotational option, as you say, brings out a lot in uh, Mustafi. Let's not forget how immense he was in the FA Cup final as well back in 2017. He's a player that has got so much ability, I think, and he has been unfortunate of injuries. And if there were defenders to be put on the uh, on the shopping list, he wouldn't be one of them. But it's interesting with the defence because. We've got so many centre-backs now. We've got Marie, we've got Mustafi, we've got Holding, we've got Sokratis, we've got Mavro Panos coming back, we've got Louise. It's it's crazy. It's interesting to see what we're going to do in the summer because, let's face it, we need a player that is a tier above all of them combined, really. Uh, but Holding's definitely a player that could form a long-term partnership with someone. If you look at Joe Gomez or Joe, Joel Matip alongside someone like Virgil van Dijk. Van Dijk makes them a, so much a better player. So, um, holding alongside uh, a better centre-back, um, I think he could really stake a claim for a long-term future Arsenal football club. But let's not forget um, Mustafi's player well as well. Has he still got a future in the club? Mavro Panos has been doing very well on loan. Has he still got a future in the club? I think it's pretty obvious the ones that are going to go out the door. Uh, personally, I hope it's going to be Sokratis and Louise in a year. Um, but it's interesting. It's, uh, it's really interesting to see where, where the club is going in terms of the defence.
0: Absolutely. I think in the centre of defence, more than any other position on the pitch, you need a pairing that if they're not, you know, if they're all average, which I think we can agree that, you know, that none of them are uh, world-class players. If they are all around that average sort of mark, you've got to find the best combination and the pair that complement each other best. It's all about a partnership in that position and and players, uh, you know, bringing the best out of one another. James, I know you've got a dash, so thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to speak to you again soon in the coming weeks.
1: No worries at all, Harry. Thanks for having me on, mate. Cheers, mate. Lovely. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.
0: That was the brilliant uh, James Cook uh, joining us this morning. Um, Really busy lad is James uh, and uh, I thank him very much for taking his time uh, or taking some time out of his day to come and join me this morning uh, to help reflect on the victory at Southampton. I'm going to go to some of your uh, listener comments that are coming through live on YouTube. Um, And I'm going to remind you guys that if you haven't already, you can become a patron of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. And those of you who have signed up already will have seen that uh, after the final whistle, around about 20, 30 minutes after the final whistle yesterday, I released a uh, patron only exclusive bit of content, which was my player ratings uh, from the game at at St. Mary's. So some immediate reaction Uh, to that game uh, available to patrons if you haven't checked it out already you can and if you want to sign up you can all you got to do is head over uh, to www.patron.com forward slash the chronicles of aguna there are two tiers of membership Um, and as I said as I always say it's not compulsory Um, but if you fancy a little bit more content if you fancy receiving a free gift from us after your third month you can uh, check that out. And uh, it be lovely to get some of your feedback on that as well. Right, let's go over to some of the comments coming through. Um, Niall Healy says, Martinez and Holding were the two big positives from me yesterday. I think they absolutely were positives. Um, so uh, glad you agree, Niall. Thank you very much for your comment. Uh, Brad says, It was good to watch Arsenal play and be upset when the referee blew the final whistle. Um, yeah, it was a different feeling, wasn't it? It makes a change. Uh, IE says, I wouldn't go overboard. Southampton are very average. Their attack is particularly bad these days. Good players, but mediocre tactics. They try to play attacking, but they're not good enough to do that. I've got to disagree with you, mate. I'm not saying Southampton are a great side or that Southampton are, um, you know, one of the Premier League's elite. But I think Ralph Hasenhuettel, from a tactical perspective is a very, very good manager, very good coach. Um, I think he's done really, really well to uh, recover from the position they found themselves in earlier in the season. Of course, they got that absolute hammering at the hands of Leicester City um, and they've turned it around and they, they look as though uh, they're going to achieve Premier League survival. So uh, I think, I don't think they're a great team, but I think the state Arsenal were in and the way confidence has been uh, in and around the Emirates Stadium of late, I think it was a good win and we've got to take it that way. And nobody's saying that we're the finished article or that uh, there's no more work to be done and that we're there. But, you know, I don't think you should be so negative about the victory in the sense of... Just literally pointing the finger at Southampton and saying they weren't good enough. Uh, Shivan Charles says uh, was happy for Holding yesterday. We need to see what he can really do for us with a run of games without injuries. I think you're right. I think that um, I've often said that Holding's looked off the pace since he's returned from that injury. So it was great uh, to see him looking close to his best again. Uh, Norway Guna says, uh, good to get a win yesterday. So needed. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Vartan says, speaking on how well Enketia played, do you, Harry, think that Arteta should drop Bellerin and play Ainsley seeing as he's playing an inverted role? He lost the ball about 10 times last game. I I actually should have probably brought this up during the main part of the show. Um, I actually had a note to talk about it, but I didn't for whatever reason. Um, But, yeah, I think Hector Bellerin was really, really poor in possession yesterday. And I gave him a four in my player ratings, um, which is a disappointing rating. I think, yeah, the role is, is very different under Mikel Arteta. But I just think he looks off the pace. And at the very least, I expect him to retain possession. And I also acknowledge that he probably doesn't get the support on that side that the, the left back will get, um, you know, with with Saka there and Aubameyang pulling out to the flank. I, I, and Jacka sort of making that option. I don't think Ceballos does that as well. I don't think Pepe offers a great deal in terms of supporting his fullback. So I've got some sympathy for Bellerin, but I agree the performance is not good enough. And if he's going to continue at that rate, then then he will be left out of the team. And I think that's partly why uh, Cedric Suarez has has been signed on the deal that he's been signed on. Um, Pat Houlihan says, Harry, what do you think of Tierney playing at left centre-back and going forward as cover for Marie as he's done it before for Celtic and Scotland? I think he is very capable of doing that. I think Kieran Tierney is a very, very good defender, but I do think that you take away one of Kieran Tierney's biggest strengths, which is his ability to get forward and his ability to deliver good quality balls into the penalty area. So I think he can do that role if we need him to, but it is a bit of a shame for me because it feels like we're missing out on on the best attributes that Kieran Tierney has. Um, talking about the number 10 role, will it be scrapped? Is that something we're going to see? Permanently moving forward, Joe M says he will scrap the role due to no one being good enough. So he believes Mikel Arteta will decide not to play with the traditional number 10 moving forward. Um, But it'd be interesting to see whether that changes from game to game and depending on the opponent. When we're playing uh, some of the lower teams, if you like, um, at home, will we see Arsenal look to dominate the game a little bit more and therefore add that extra man in midfield? Will we see them away from home uh, opt to go the way Mikel Arteta did at Southampton, which is by playing with three central defenders as such, Saka and Bellerin making it a back five when Arsenal without possession. Uh, not entirely sure. Um, what else have we got here? Um, I think this was when we were talking about Granit Xhaka. Chris said, we need ball progressing and keeping players. I think you're right. Um, but as I said, during the, the the main part of the show, we can't just magically make players appear like we can't just click our fingers and get this midfielder and that midfielder it's about making the best of what we've got and I think there is uh, no argument that Granit Xhaka is one of the very best that we have at the football club if people want to say he's not good enough moving forward I'm okay with that I can accept that it's an alternative viewpoint to mine I think he can provide something for Arsenal in the years to come but I accept that point and I, I think it's a fair one um Let's see what we've got. Uh, In terms of Emmy Martinez, Graham Sutherland says Martinez is solid and can deliver a decent kick out. I think James alluded to that, uh, that his distribution was good. And I thought he was uh, pretty solid in between the sticks and done the simple things right. Uh, Vincent says uh, holding is showing the form he was before the injury, um, which is great. Um, I think he's on his way back to his best at least. Uh, Let's see. And um, what else we've got here? Uh, touching on Danny Sabayos, uh, Dylan Hawker says, Danny Sabayos looked slow and lackluster yesterday. I'm happy he doesn't want to come here on a permanent deal. Yeah, I don't think he had a great game again, uh, Danny Sabayos. He got six out of 10 in my player ratings just because positionally him and Granit Shaka did exactly what was asked of them. But he didn't look as confident on the ball. He didn't look as um as, uh, you know he's normally very busy in possession he twists and he turns and he tries to create spaces and he tries to progress the ball forward he didn't really do that uh, a great deal yesterday so I get why people are not um uh, not too enthused by his display and Chris says Danny Sabas won't even start for the Real Madrid B team honestly mate uh just finally uh Sir Antonio's block says Martinez was great no nonsense so plenty of praise coming in the direction of the Argentine goalkeeper and uh, uh, he's going to need that confidence because it looks as though Bernardo is likely to miss the remainder of the Premier League season. But thankfully for us, um It's not as bad as we first feared, which was a bit of positive news that we received last week. My big thanks to every single one of you for tuning into today's live edition of the podcast. Um, We're going to be back tomorrow morning, looking ahead to the trip to Sheffield United in the FA Cup. So do come and join us. We'll be going live around about 10 o'clock. I think it's a Saturday, so we'll go a little bit later. Uh, Thank you all for your continued support. Don't forget, if you want to become a patron, Uh, Check out the link below um, and you can get access to exclusive content and there'll be plenty more of that coming your way. We released our first bit of exclusive um, uh, content yesterday, but we'll be moving forward and bringing you with more of that, including some interactive shows where patrons will be invited to take part. So, uh, as I said, thank you very much for your participation, your interaction, and for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, share. You know the drill by now if you're listening by the audio. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your shows from. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. So until then, take care, enjoy the weather, enjoy your day, and uh, up the Arsenal.